0: Media Masters with Paul Blanchard.
1: Welcome to Media Masters, a series of one to one interviews with people at the top of the media game. Today I'm joined down the line by John Wardle, director of the National Film and Television School, the world leading institution for people wanting to learn the craft of films, television and games. Since taking over as director in 2017, John has overseen a major expansion of the Buckinghamshire based school's teaching space and introduced courses that address the skill needs of the UK film industry. The school has partnered with the likes of Amazon Prime and Channel 4 on major training initiatives and John has made increasing the diversity of its intake and expanding its geographical reach a priority. John, thank you for joining me. Pleasure. Thanks for asking me, Paul. Well, it's incredibly impressive what you're doing. I mean, the school has got a fantastic alumni to tap into, from Wallace and Gromit creator Nick Park to 1917 screenwriter Kirsty Wilson-Cairns and sex education creator Laurie Nunn. You must have an incredible sense of sort of vicarious pride when you see your alumni doing so well.
0: I'm a total nerd. My wife thinks it's hilarious that I watch the kind of end credits of any kind of TV or film project that we're kind of watching together. And I can name all of the NFTS graduates as they scroll past. But yeah, that's what you get into it for. It's that sense that the work you're doing as part of their kind of course with us is laying the foundations for them to have what hopefully is a fulfilling and exciting and you know, all the dreams that you can think of career ahead. And that's... Takes me like Christy, who did our screenwriting course. I remember her as a student and she was a fantastic student, but. She then went out 2 or 3 years of working in the trenches getting projects off the ground and now she's got 1917 last night in Soho and The Good Nurse which is on Netflix at the moment to her name. So it's not going too badly for her.
1: And you've got more behind the scenes camera courses than any other film school from craft areas like directing and cinematography to even script supervision.
0: Yeah, I mean I think we're quite unique as a film school in that we I think it's something like 36 different specialist courses if you went to any of our competitors around the world, take somewhere like the American Film Institute in West Hollywood, I think they teach just six disciplines. So they teach writing, directing, producing, cinematography, editing, and production design. And they would see sound, visual effects, composing, script supervision, production management as not central to what they're about, and yet we believe that all of those departments have a huge impact on the story that gets told and what ends up on screen. And so we embrace them, teach to them. There's also the reality is that's also where a lot of there's a bit of a skills crisis going on in the UK around film and TV production, with just not enough people to service the kind of scale of what what the broadcasters and the streamers want to do in in kind of in the UK. And a lot of those skills gaps are in the areas that we've just, I've just listed. You know, there tends not to be a skills gap around writers and directors, whereas there is around great production managers and uh, visual effects artists. Why do you think that skills gap is there? Well, I think it's complicated. I think there's, there's a number of factors. One is the UK has always been an attractive home for inward investment uh, because of the kind of quality of crews the studio facilities, the kind of tax incentives, but that that's become exacerbated by the pound being weak, by more and more streamers starting. So maybe five or six years ago, you had the beginnings of Netflix making things in the UK, uh, maybe even not as long ago as that. And then, but now you've got Apple, Amazon, Paramount Plus. So all of the Disney+, Plus, all these major kind of streamers trying to make a scale of show in the UK that maybe was the preserve of one or two Hollywood studios before that. So you've got these kind of juggernaut shows sucking up hundreds of people, and that makes it very difficult for British independent film and television. And that's something we're committed to here. Yes, we're excited that our graduates, I think Andor, the new Star Wars show, is written, designed, sound recorded, edited by NFGS graduates. So I'm excited about that. But I'm always equally excited about the new British film, something like Blue Jeans or um, The Souvenir, which is kind of crude and created by NFGS graduates as well, because we need to not just be a factory for American production. We've got to make our own you know, UK indigenous content as well. I mean, it sounds to me like there's a shortage in a
1: sense. but that That's a good news story if we can rise to the challenge because demand is so strong. I would rather have a a, a stronger order book for the UK's talent pool and uh, struggle to fulfil it because then that's yeah. an abundance thing. Is, is yeah. that something that ultimately you celebrate, even though
0: in the short oh, term it is quite stressful? Absolutely. And it is a first world problem, isn't it, to say there's too much work and too much money being invested. I think it's it's all about nuance, isn't it? It's absolutely a great thing it's creating real jobs it's it's probably one of the only bits of the economy which is growing as you know at a rate you'd hope the uk plc benefits hugely from a rich and vibrant film and television industry however on the flip side of that if you're if you don't want to tell other people's stories and you've got your own stories to tell there is a challenge to british independent stories and production i think and it's just trying to make sure in rushing to service 1 we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater out and ruin the other
1: have you found that people are wanting like there's an increase on the supply side that you've got a an increase in the number of people applying for the courses at your school
0: yeah i mean we're quite unusual in that we've always had you know at a postgraduate level we're not an undergraduate school so it's a it's a choice to go back to a kind of education institution when you're maybe 24 25 and do a further course and We've got 700 students. Uh, for most of those courses, we have dozens, if not hundreds more applications for every place than we could take. So that's a great thing. And one of the things we have to wrestle with here is we want to be inclusive. We want to be accessible. I've overseen an expansion of the school, but it's what, at what point does it start to denigrate the quality of what you can offer? So we take 10 cinematographers a year, we train them into an incredibly high level. You know, just this week, they've got sessions with the kind of cinematographer, Bradford Young, probably the most famous black cinematographer in the world. He shot Arrival and Solo and and somebody like Charlotte Bruce Christensen. So how how many cinematographers can you take and give access to those amazing people and hands-on practical experience and actually making films without ruining the quality of what you do? And so, yeah, we have grown. When I joined the school 10 years ago, we were 240 students. We're now about 750. But there's still an argument. I mean, I remember a conversation with Reed Hastings, who runs Netflix, and he said to me, well, taking 10 cinematographers a year just isn't enough. And I said, but if that's the number I can train to a world-class level, isn't that the right thing to do? Because just take cinematographers as an example, the NFTS – uh, in between 2015 and 2020, 25 percent of all high end television shot in the UK was shot by an NFTS graduate. So for me, it's not just a question about numbers; it's also a question about quality. How, how many people can you put out who are going to really have the skills, talent, network to build a really successful career? So that we're talking about them in the same way we talk about Nick Park and Roger Deakins and Lim Ramsey in 20 years' time. So it's a a challenge. We're kind of a boutique. What has been a boutique industry is becoming more more industrialized and of scale. and, And how do we respond to that is something we spend a lot of time at the school thinking about, creating new provision, new types of courses to try and respond to that growth.
1: And the NFTS has hubs in Wales, Scotland, and Leeds. How do you encourage young people who live in the regions that a career in film and TV is for them? They might see it as a career option for people in that there London.
0: I definitely felt like that. I I was born in Coventry, knew nobody in the film and television industry, definitely didn't feel accessible to me. So when I became director of the school in 2017, first thing we did was establish our hub in Glasgow. uh, we've now established hubs in Leeds and Cardiff as well, as you said, and and they each work with now around 350-ish people a year. And I think they're an incredibly important both gateway to the school. For some people, they go to those, those national and regional centres in order to kind of build their confidence and to potentially then make an application to come and be a full-time student in Beckettsfield. For others we give them what they want and they're off. I mean a great example of that is one of the first courses we ran in Glasgow was a course I think it was called writing the pilot or creating the bible and a student called David McPherson came on that course a really talented writer and he went on to create a show called The Rig that will premiere on Amazon Prime in January and he's been very generous about how that course helped him. So I'm thrilled, you know, David's somebody who comes on a course 8 weeks in Glasgow and never needs to come to the NFGS in Beaconsfield, where there are other people who came on courses and thought, well, I'm not quite ready. I need to do a bit more. And maybe going and being a full time student at Beaconsfield is the right thing. So those hubs are so important because more and more production is taking place all across the UK. You know, whether it's the responder being made in Liverpool or sex education in Cardiff or good omens in Edinburgh, Glasgow, we need to be where production is and providing great people to help, help meet the demands.
1: Let's look through your journey, if we can, to the, the school. I mean, you joined in 2012, what did you do before? What was the career that put you there? And um, what was your vision when you took over? Because I mean, it's been a few uh, few years in post now. So I mean, tell us, yeah.
0: uh, what's your review? <laughs> well, my, my my story is I, I did a television degree, thought I wanted to be a director, realized that I was nowhere near the most talented director in my class, let alone in the UK and so decided pretty quickly that if I wanted to make a life in film and TV, I'm going to have to do something a bit different. And so I became a sound recordist and did that for two or three years. Uh, I did it very much because it was a pragmatic choice. I wanted to fill a skills gap uh, and not fight it out with more talented directors than me. But then eventually got asked to go back and teach, and I worked my way up from being the most junior lecturer to being kind of a a senior member of the department at Bournemouth university and then joined the film school in 2012. And the the attraction of doing that was I was passionate about film and television education. I did a doctorate in film and television education. So i really committed to thinking through how to teach these subjects and how to develop people's kind of creativity and skills and I wanted to do it at the place where you could work with the most talented people. And the, the NFTS is definitely that, you know, I walk around these studios and I'm always hugely, you know, I feel inadequate in a way because some of the students are just so talented. They're doing amazing work. And the school is of a size where you can get to know those people and support them as real people where so much whereas so much of education has become about it being mass you know thousands of people at universities and I've got no problem with that but I was really drawn to working with people in a more kind of intimate and personal and sort of boutique way and the film school offered me that Um, so it was never really my dream to run a film school but I think I'm I'm kind of a, a neat mix of a few things. I know about production, I know about pedagogy and teaching and learning. And I can talk to students and industry and try and make, you know, matchmake between them so that everybody gets what they need from an institution like the NFTS. And in terms of my review of of the school, you know, when I started in 2017, I was taking over a school that was already really successful. But it felt to me like the school had a moment where it needed to claim its national remit. It needs to say, actually, we're not just any old film school. We are the national film and television school. And so hence why we started those hubs in Glasgow, Leeds and Cardiff. And it's also why we're working in all sorts of new and interesting and diverse ways with broadcasters and streamers. So just to give you a couple of examples of that... Uh, we work with the BBC in a really intimate way around uh, scholarship support for new voices and they advise on our course curriculums for directing and screenwriting and producing and that's a kind of multi-year agreement where we're trying to work together to bring through new British voices. And then on the opposite side of that we run a or, or kind of counter to that. we run a trainee program with Amazon Prime or Prime video as they're branded now where it's about producing 25 new entrants uh, of quality who can work across their slate of shows both drama and unscripted and they're both try- they're both in the kind of new entrant new talent space but one is a more practical kind of we've got these shows we need people to fulfill these junior roles and the other one is a more medium term view on how do we create the next big voice, you know, screenwriting voice, directing voice. And those are the kinds of initiatives and activities that I'm not sure the school did before before I came in. But it's been a real focus for us as a school to try and work more hand in glove with our industry partners. And the UK has become a world leader
1: in video gaming too. How's the school adapted to teaching those skills?
0: Yeah. I mean, we started games ten years ago about the same time BAFTA uh created a kind of games chapter within within the british academy for film and television arts games is a huge success story for the uk again like film and tv we looked at games as an area and thought what uniquely what might we bring to it? it was one of the first things i was involved with actually when joining the school 10 years ago what what can we do in the game space that is unique and an additive to what's going on already And so, really, that comes back to storytelling. So, there are some fantastic games schools in the UK. You might look at somewhere like Abate in Dundee. That's where Rocksteady Games, you know, the guys who make Grand Theft Auto kind of came from, and they make some fantastic games, but they effectively, it's a computer science school. So, games growing out and bubbling out of computer science techniques and approaches, Whereas the games work we do at the NFTS bubbles out of a a cinema and a kind of screen tradition around storytelling. And so if you look at the games we make and the games Abate make, I think they would be quite distinctly different. Our students benefit from thinking about how they would work with screenwriters, composers, sound designers, production designers to think about the environments and world building that they're involved with and the stories that they're telling. And so they feel more kind of like narrative games uh, with story and character than maybe you might see from other game schools around the UK. It's, it's obviously never quite as binary as that, but you would rarely see a kind of Mario car or a platform puzzle game on from the NFTS, whereas you would see games more akin, not in scale, but in, term, in terms of theme to something like The Last of Us, where people are trying to tell real story with emotion and character, but using branching narrative and games mechanics and world building. So that that's our work in games. And I, I'm really proud of it. It's 10 years old this year. And some of the students who have completed that course have gone on to hold really senior positions at studios across the UK, like Supermassive Games and The Chinese Room, and uh, state of play and long may it continue. And I think we'd like to do more in that space because I think the synergies between film, television and games in terms of technology are blurring. So, for example, there's been a lot of buzz in the kind of film and TV space about this thing called virtual production, uh, made famous by techniques used on the TV show The Mandalorian, uh, where you build an LED volume Rather than green screening activity, you use live LED imagery, and and that's all powered by game engine technology. So all of a sudden, we've got game engine technology driving traditional film and TV broadcast production. And so it feels like we're in a really good space at the moment. Um, And we're starting to think about what things like generative artificial intelligence will mean for that work as well. So always trying to think about what's coming next and and how we make sure that storytelling is enhanced and supported as these new technologies come on stream.
1: Where do you see things going in the medium to long term? Any new courses, any expansion plans?
0: We're doing quite a lot of thinking at the moment, both about deepening our course offer in the nations and regions. So. Glasgow will probably be at the forefront of that and thinking about how can we offer a broader range of courses there um, because we don't have the facilities in Glasgow that we do in Beaconsfield, but we're keen to grow and invest and, and and make a more substantive offer there. So that's one area. And then in terms of new kind of course areas, I think a lot of our thinking at the moment is in that area of... Real time technology, game engine technology, and how that might be utilized in what might be described as traditional art departments or in animation or in on stage and on set production. So, I think in the next year or two, you might see some new courses emerging in kind of real time artificial intelligence, machine learning, and how those things feed into. Uh, and enhance traditional film, TV, games production. What keeps you up at night? Mainly accessibility. <laughs> I'm aware that doing a two-year MA at the NFTS, even with scholarship support, you know, we, we pay the fees of, we, we give away about 1.2 million pounds a year in scholarship support to make the courses affordable for UK talent. One of the things I'm most proud of is that the school is 70% British That's quite unusual for postgraduate courses. If you went to, I don't know, almost any other university in the UK and said, Oh, how many of your postgraduate students are British? they wouldn't get anywhere near 70%. So I'm really proud that um, we're 70% British, but remaining accessible and affordable to that group of people gets increasingly hard. You know, as we go through periods of it may not be austerity, but as we go through a kind of cost of living crisis and inflation. And so that's the thing that I think I worry most about is how do I make sure that, you know, I've used their name before, but somebody like Lim Ramsey from, you know, Scotland in the 1980s, you know, whoever that person is now, could they still come now? And how do they afford it? And how do we make it work for them? And I think that's what drives us generally is thinking about how do we find those great, talented people, and provide them with a platform to do their, you know, their best work and it all be affordable and achievable. And um, uh, that's probably the thing that worries me the most.
1: What do you think the biggest
0: challenges are that your
1: students face?
0: Right now, as, as I said, cost of living is a big deal. You know, Cost of living is hard when you've, got, when you've got an income, let alone when you haven't got an income and you're living on student loans and kind of the support of scholarships or friends and family. So that's something we just made. I mean, a really small thing, but we just made breakfast at the school free. So you can come into the school now, breakfast free, sanitary products are free, tea and coffee is free and all the kind of kitchenettes because we just wanted people to be able to come to the school, be warm and not have to think, oh, I've got to find five quid for breakfast or for lunch or whatever it might be. So we're doing all we can to alleviate those challenges I think the other one is that there's generally, you know, the, the prevalence of mental health issues among students in the kind of 18 to 25 age group are higher than it's ever been. It's it's absolutely noticeable to me. And that may well be because, you know, when I went to university, we just didn't talk about those things. I think it probably is that. But our need to support students with issues around anxiety, depression, stress. That's really ramped up over the last three or four years. So when I became director, I don't think we had anybody. When I took over the school as director, we had nobody working in kind of a well-being role. And we now have two full-time people and a team of kind of freelance specialists we can buy in. So just helping students navigate the complexities of modern life, financial pressures, the job market... Uh, their own complicated family lives has become a, a real focus for us as a school. So, so there's two things: cost, kind of mental health concerns and support. And then the third one is, even though we live in a boom, you know, in terms of jobs, of course, everybody's worried about whether they're going to get one. <laughs> The good news is we have like a 95% graduate employment rate for anybody leaving the school. Within six months, 95% of students have got a job at a graduate level in the area on which they trained. So we're really proud of that. And students take some comfort from that. But of course, every student also thinks, well, what about if I'm the exception? Or what if it doesn't work out for me? And so we have to work with them to kind of build their resilience and their confidence, but also to make sure they are getting the opportunities to leave and secure work so it's kind of really every day it's a kind of granular thing we have to do to make sure students are satisfied and get what they need from the institution and it's as much about helping them as people
1: in terms of like managing their workload and their mental health and everything because there's no point them carrying on in the course if there's an issue in their lives that you can't help them address that then
0: means that the course is a waste of time anyway ultimately yeah it, it's in
1: your interest as well as theirs isn't it
0: 100 percent and actually i would go further and say actually if we can help them grow and develop as people they'll they'll actually be successful and get jobs you know when i joined here i mean i've been here 10 years now so i can see a long view and you can definitely see that there are students who have real talent real innate ability but they can't network, they can't sustain working under pressure and blah, blah, blah. And and they do less well than the students who might be a bit less talented, but who can network, hustle, get the commissions, drive projects forward. And so one of the things I always say to students is like 50% of being successful on leaving the NFTS is not how good you are as a cinematographer in terms of framing and aesthetics and lighting, but it's how good you are at replying to emails, being reliable, working in a team, collaborating, putting an invoice in on time, you know, all those sorts of things. That's actually the stuff that means you get rehired, that people like having you around. And so, yeah, it's a whole person endeavor here. It's, not, it's certainly not just people come here, pick up a few skills and leave. We're invested in trying to help these people be the best versions of themselves they can be, both in terms of the discipline they work in, but also in terms of kind of growing as people. I mean, it's not for me to ask you to diss on
1: other educational institutions, but it it seems a little odd that you have to tell them those basic things. I mean, why weren't they told those at GCSE or A level? Or even degree you know it's odd that they come to you and still don't have those skills i do wonder sometimes whether our education system is sort of teaching people to be successful in the 1950s
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know about that I, i i've taught at an undergraduate level and i've taught at fe so i've got a bit of a view which is that at different stages people are open to hear different things i think if you were taught to a first year undergraduate about some of the things i just listed Um, they'd look at you as if to say but I just want to make films and I think at that point they're still trying to work out how they want to do that you know am I a director am I a sound recordist am I an editor why am I that Or I like being on set I don't like being on set or I'm drawn to the business part of it I hate the business part of it they're all the kind of questions that you typically get from a student at an undergraduate level and so when they come to us and they've decided they wanna be an editor and they can see their identity as sitting in a cutting room, enabling and supporting a director to tell a story, then you can get into a different level of conversation with them about, okay, what is it to be in an edit suite with a director who is anxious about their project? What is it to give confidence to a producer or a financier about the film that they funded and they wanna know is gonna be good? It's, a, it's just a different level of conversation. And so I don't necessarily see it as a deficit from what they've done before. I just think it's about timing, really. And um, and of course, it would be great if we could cram everything in and the student was ready to hear it all when they were 18 years old. But that's not really been my experience. And that's why I think people come to the NFTS because you know they've maybe done an undergraduate degree. They've gone out. They've then realized what they really want to do because maybe they weren't told what all the different jobs... I mean, I, when I was at university, I think yeah. if I'd been told properly what a producer did, if I'd really understood the creative fulfillment you get from setting up projects and hiring people to do particular roles and developing a, a slate, I think I might have done that. <laughs> but nobody ever really told me. And when I discovered it, I already had children and a family and being a, an independent producer is not not the way to financial security. So you sort of let some of those dreams go. But I... am. Um, I definitely think our students come here at just the right moment where they're they're kind of hungry to know how to be the best, you know, whatever it is, cinematographer, editor, visual effects artist that they can be. How do you think the UK fares internationally then on the in the industry? Well, we massively punch above our weight into as a kind of international destination for film and television production. I think other countries invest more in their national cinema and their national. So I think France. And some of the other kind of European countries provide greater support. Going back to the thing we talked about at the beginning about you know indigenous French voices and French stories, I think they they support them more. We're lucky to have the BBC. Uh, without that, I think that would be a real. Quite, we'd be more like America. I think the BBC and Channel 4 is what, and the BFI to a certain extent on the film side is what differentiates us from just being in a complete kind of commercial market like the Americans find themselves in. But I think, you know, as you said, it's not, we're not in a position where we should be complaining. I think film and television production is growing every year. The opportunities for creatives and people and storytellers have never been better. We have investment both from UK companies and American companies, and we've got some assets like the National Film and Television School, like the British Film Institute, like the BBC, those sorts of organizations who are trying really hard to make sure it's for the good of the UK, not just from a GDP perspective, but also culturally. Do you think that colleges
1: and schools could be more encouraging of people to go into the creative industries like this rather than the traditional industries? And, and even is there an element within families that people think being a lawyer or an accountant or, you know, dare I say, slightly less exciting, that,
0: that they're more, quote unquote, safe? Uh, Totally. And I know the BFI, the BFI has just put a call out for an organization to use national lottery money to run a six million pound careers advice program to address this very issue. Absolutely. You know, I, I mean, your examples there, you know, take lawyers and accountants. You know, those two jobs exist in the film industry as well. You can be a very, very senior executive because you've got a lawyerly background. You could be an ag- a talent agent because you can read a contract and and you know advise your world leading actor or actress or head of department on how to build their career. And then on accountancy, we run a production accounting course, which is exactly for what you know you, you might think, which is for people who have maybe done basic accounting or kind of traditional kind of vanilla accounting at university or college are now working in an accountancy firm, maybe in a role in a bank or an insurance company or a a retailer. But, you know, we run a course where you can take those skills. You know what a cash flow is. You know what a profit and loss is. You can read a balance sheet. And we say, right, how do you translate those skills into being a production accountant? And we do that course with Disney. And Disney, A, subsidize the fees of anybody who wants to make that transition. But also they offer you two weeks guaranteed work experience and either a Marvel or a Lucasfilm project. And that's been transformational for some of those people, people who had kind of always who love film and TV and now are applying their kind of accountancy skills in, in our area. So yeah, absolutely. We need to be out there talking about what do, what do if you've got an engineering mindset or an IT mindset or a, a, you've got a kind of lawyerly kind of background or an accounting background how do those skills transition and how are they useful in a kind of film and tv context because they they absolutely are I mean, there must be a real buzz around the school. Students are getting
1: a once-in-a-lifetime masterclass from world-renowned film TV and games makers. How do you how do you manage the people that are teaching that? Do they come from a position where they're supplementing a, a, a secondary career in their in the creative arts? How how do you go about changing and improving the culture within the school and, and taking things forward? That must be that must fall to you ultimately to set the tone and the culture for the whole school, including staff and and
0: pupils. Yeah, no, it, I definitely feel that. One of the things we did when I first became director was we kind of pinned down some key values. And one of, one of the values that we unite around is that we value the process of how things are made as much as the final outcome. You know, it's not okay for me, for us to make a film that wins a BAFTA. And for example, we've won the BAFTA for Best Short Animation six out of the last nine years, not a student award, the the BAFTA. We've won it six out of the last nine years. But for me, it's not okay to win that award, but break everybody in the process of doing it, completely ignore working time, you know, directive, not pay people properly, you know, not creatively respond to what people are, you know, so I, I really value that how things are made, not just the final outcome of what's made and whether it wins awards or not. But we crew up – I mean, effectively, the school has two types of tutors. We've got quite a small group of full-time staff. So we've got kind of one person in animation, one person in cinematography, one person in editing, and so on. And they tend to be people with um, really significant professional backgrounds. So, for example, in editing, my head of editing is a guy called Andy Warboys. He edit, he's won the BAFTA for a documentary called Hillsborough – He's he edited the Ursula Farland documentary about Harvey Weinstein. He's, he's got a tr- uh, like a really stellar IMDb profile. And he just he's decided that actually, right now, uh, he'd like to take some space to come and teach and be, you know, engaged in bringing through new editors. Whether he'll do that forever or he'll do that for four or five years and go back to editing, that's up to him. We also try and make it so that somebody like Andy can do a project from time to time. So if there was a project that comes along that he really, really wants to do, then we can release him to do that. So we've got a small number of those sorts of people. And then we also have a whole roster of people who are what we describe as visiting tutors who come in for everything from just one day through to maybe 40, 50 days a year and run whole projects and modules. And we're really lucky to have a kind of stellar list of people like that. So, just this week in the building, we've got Phoebe Waller-Bridge in, uh, doing a kind of whole school thing and a session with the screenwriters. We've got Joachim Trier, who's one of our graduates, who was a uh, Oscar nominee last year for the wrong, uh, worked for the worst person in the world. And we've got Mick Audsley, the editor of four Harry Potter films. We've got Judy Lee Hedman, who's a very famous sound recordist. So, you know, great people, but they need to balance coming and teaching here with continuing to work on big productions and we want that. So we try and create a bit of a revolving door where people can do both. Tell us about your governorship. You've got some very interesting governors, haven't you to say the least. Yeah, we're really really lucky. So the school's a charity, which means it's not for profit. We're trying to build a sustainable school that will be here in 50 years time, but it's not it's not about making any shareholders money. It's a public institution. And so the board is really important. They're my bosses, effectively, and it's chaired by a brilliant woman called Sophie Turner Lang. She was the managing director at Sky, and then she ran Endemol Shine and was her kind of time there concluded with her selling the company to Banerjee. Uh, so she ran the biggest independent production company in the world before becoming chair of our board. And then you've also got people on the board like Andrew McDonald, who Kind of a hero of mine who made trains. He's the producer of Train Spotting, Ex Machina. You've got uh, Charlotte Moore, the chief content officer of the BBC, uh, Ollie Madden, the head of Film 4. So amazing people. And I feel it's a huge honor, really, to meet with those people four or five times a year, go through the school's plans, talk through what we're investing in and why, where the challenges are, and get their support and guidance. So we're hugely lucky to have. A group of governors who are so engaged in kind of making sure the school is as good as it can be for the long term.
1: So you try to find all these distinguished and esteemed voices, though. But how does that mesh with uh, like the the traditional bread and butter of running
0: the school overall? Yeah, this comes up quite a lot. I think some people think that you know training production managers and production accountants is sort of in conflict with finding new, brilliant screenwriters and directors. And my view is, if you get it right, those two things really support and enhance. You know, if, if you can build teams and projects where directors and screenwriters and producers have the support of fantastically talented production managers, cinematographers, and so on, then you're really in a sweet spot. So it is a challenge because it means the numbers of people involved are more complicated than you might see it somewhere like the American Film Institute. But um, if you get it right, the rewards are so much bigger. And I think, you know, some of our more recent graduates who have worked in that environment, so somebody like Lewis Arnold, who... Has now built a kind of really stellar track record as a high-end TV director. So he directed Time, the Stephen Graham Sean Bean drama. He directed Dez, the thing with David Tennant playing Dennis Nielsen. He just did Sherwood for James Graham with David Morrissey in the lead. Well, he he is able to he was able to leave the school and step out into a leadership role on these big dramas because he was used to working with a crew of students inhabiting all these roles. And I remember Lewis saying to me, you know, I felt absolutely prepared to step out and have meetings with the assistant directing department or the locations department because I've done that at the school. We're kind of like a mini studio here. So get it right and the rewards are are, are really rich. You know, get it wrong and it can feel like nobody wins because directors feel stifled by The kind of demands of all these other crews and the crew feel like the director doesn't isn't capable of leading them properly so it's complicated i remember somebody saying to me you know running a film school isn't rocket science and then they followed up and went no it's much more complicated than that isn't it and i think that's some truth to that it's quite a few plates to spin isn't it a complex set of variables to coordinate as there was there you go
1: yeah yeah last question then let's end on a positive note what's been the thing in your career of which you've achieved that you're most proud
0: well, I didn't really achieve it, but I guess the moment I'd look back so far is that there was a moment where I had to go and accept the BAFTA for the school for outstanding British contribution to cinema. So I'd been direct—I've been at the school six years. I'd been director a year, so this is like 2018, and the school was awarded the outstanding British contribution to cinema BAFTA. And I went with one of the other former directors of the school, great guy, great man, Nick Powell, friend of mine, who's sadly no longer with us. But we went and accepted the BAFTA, and I stood on the stage and made a speech. And in my eye line, I had William and Kate, who are the kind of patrons of BAFTA. And in the other eye, I had Angelina Jolie on the front row. And I made this speech about what the school was for and why it was important. And that felt like a tremendous responsibility, a huge honor but a tremendous responsibility and I don't know how many other people in their life get to go to the BAFTAs and make a speech that you know you're going to make because you've already been given the award and to say something about why something is so powerful and special and why we've got to look after it and nurture it and that was a great moment for me personally it's something I'll remember forever
1: John that was a hugely interesting conversation you're obviously doing absolutely fantastic work and, oh, and your thanks, colleagues as well and I wish you the very best of luck thank you ever so much for doing thanks. the podcast
0: no problem great chatting to you Well, wasn't that amazing? It was created and produced by Podcast Partners. They're really lovely people and rather good at all this podcasting guff. Find out more at podcastpartners.com.